Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back to The Conversation. Today, I'm going to explore the myth of deservability. Now, I refer to it as myth because I want you to entertain the idea on whether or not it's actually real. But this myth is perpetuated culturally. It's perpetuated by your parents, by your teachers. It's perpetuated in the marketplace. Every award that's ever been given has at its heart the idea of deservability. Did you deserve to win? Did you deserve to receive that trophy, to receive that medal? It's perpetuated by our parents. Did you deserve the dessert? Did you deserve, you know, the treat? Did you deserve the toy? Did you did you deserve, deserve, deserve? You see, this a whole idea of deservability, I want to examine, is it merely a construct of mind or is it actually a law of the universe? Because if it's a law of the universe, we definitely need to consider it or factor it into our life. But if it's a construct of mind... If it's a manufactured idea by man, then is it really something we need to be concerned about? What would your life be like if you were to actually remove the concept of deservability? The fact that you deserve certain treats, certain riches, certain things to manifest in your life. What if that wasn't even a factor? What if it were true that if you wanted it, you can have it? Deservability had nothing to do with it. Just the mere fact that you want it, you can have it. Personally, I began looking at the whole idea of deservability when I began my coaching career. Now, when I started, they didn't refer to what I did as coaching. I was a healer. I was a hypnotist. I utilized NLP. I was a practitioner. But I offered a service. And in exchange for that service, I charged a certain fee. But what set the limit on what I was charging? Well, for me, is what I thought I deserved to charge. And when I look back on it, what I charged was ridiculously low compared to the value that I was giving. But I had a deservability issue. I didn't think I was worth it. Today, I charge about 100 times more than that first session. But I've reoriented my thinking. I've reoriented how I frame what I deliver. You see, in the context of what people charge for their services, it has nothing to do with deservability in all about the value that's delivered. If you receive the value, then you'll pay just about any price. For instance, if two people are presented with a product and the investment is $5,000, and for one person, this $5,000 product solves a $50,000 problem, then the $5,000 is nothing. But if for the other person doesn't have the problem, then $5,000 is way too much. Another example of that is that I sometimes watch this show on the History Channel called American Pickers. And it's essentially two guys that go around the country uh, looking at junk. And they see the treasure in it. And my dad would often say, one man's treasure is another man's junk. And my dad collected a lot of junk in the hopes of finding someone that would pay For the treasure. And this show totally re educates my mind because I'm looking at stuff there that I would probably throw away. And they look at it and they say, oh, this is worth $5,000. 
or that, that's $600. And the guy says, well, I paid like 50 bucks for that at a garage sale. It's worth 600 But the question is, is to who? See, there's a buyer for just about everything. But the value, if the value's there, that's just a matter of perception. And if you don't have the point of view that it's worth anything to you, then you won't pay anything for it. Nothing is more evident to me than baseball cards, where some of those cards go for a quarter of a million dollars. Are you serious? Just a little piece of cardboard? Well, my point in talking about this is when I originally began thinking in my mind about what I was charging. In my head, it had something to do with deservability. But as I explored the topic, it had more to do with value and perceived value. Was I solving a problem in which someone would pay money to have fixed? Once I reframed the whole idea of deservability around my fee structure, I never thought about it again. Yet, over the years, the whole idea of deservability would eke into my consciousness, eke into my awareness in various ways. I remember I was coaching a direct salesperson. They actually went into a person's home and sold them a product, and they had this issue. They didn't think that they deserved the commission. And, of course, I replied, isn't that interesting? And I replied, isn't that interesting? And she kind of cocked her head sideways at me. I said, let me ask you a couple of questions just so I can wrap my head around your issue. I said, who just said you could stand where you're standing? She was standing right in front of me. She said, no one. Then I asked, do you deserve to stand there? I mean, you're taking up some space. She says, yes, I deserve to stand here. I said, huh, why are you more deserving to stand there than over there? What is it about this spot that's so special? She just kind of looked at me with a confused look, which to me indicated she was going into trance. She was going inside her head trying to figure this out. And I asked, isn't it true that deservability has nothing to do with it? You're standing there because you're standing there and for no other reason. And if you were standing over there, you would be standing there for no other reason than the fact that you were standing there, that you walked over there, that you st <laughs> stood there. And then I asked, if you showed up to a client's home, they had booked an appointment with you, you showed up and you made a presentation, and they loved your product and they wanted to buy it, would you give the commission to somebody else at the office, or would you take it? Because, I mean, if you're not deserving, then you should give the commission to somebody else, right? She said, but I, I made the presentation. I got the customer's signature on the paperwork. I put my signature on the paperwork. I should get the commission. And I said, and that's the way it works. It has nothing to do with deservability. And granted, some people part with their money with a lot more resistance. But let's say you gave a presentation and you didn't even get to the end of it and they already knew they wanted it and they stopped you halfway through. And they said, stop, you know, we already know, we love it, we're gonna buy it. And then the next appointment, you have to work a lot harder. You have to put more effort in. You actually have to demonstrate all the ways that it's going to improve their life, impact their health, and through your explanation, you alleviate their fears, you show how it's going to impact their life in a positive way, and they got it. They go ahead and they purchase. But in the process, they put you through the paces. They required you to answer all their fears, answer all their questions before they were willing to make the investment. And so my question is, do you deserve the commission any less for the one where they wanted it and were willing to pay right away or the one that you had to work harder for?
And she started to say the one I had worked harder for. I said, no, you made the sale in both circumstances. Deservability had nothing to do with it. If you make the presentation, they like the product, they are prepared to invest in it, then it's simply nothing more than a transaction. Now, you may not know it or not, but I am a child of the 60s. I was born in 1960. In 1962, there was a television series that came on the air, which you may have seen in syndication, if you're not that old, and that is the Beverly Hillbillies. And the premise of the story is that Jed Clampett was out hunting in the hills of Tennessee. He was out hunting rabbits, and he fired his rifle and missed the rabbit, but he struck the ground which penetrated deeply, and I guess crude oil was bubbling up through the hole that he had fired into the ground. He was a mega-millionaire. And as the story goes, if you're a mega-millionaire, you don't stay in Tennessee, you move away from there, you move to Beverly Hills. And so this story struck me as a kid. Jed Clampett wasn't a wildcatter. He did not go in search of oil. He wasn't searching for it. He wasn't looking for it. He wasn't investing money in it. It was a mistake. (laughs) He missed the rabbit, and he discovered oil, and as a consequence, was worth millions and millions of dollars. The mansion and lifestyle that they bought in Beverly Hills was bought with money, bought with money that came from this lucky strike, from this crude oil. Does he deserve that mansion? I mean, he paid for it, but some people would say that he didn't work for it. He didn't put enough effort into it. So how much effort is required? See, it really just comes down to a judgment, and it's a judgment from other people. I don't believe it is a universal law. God does not judge us in that regard. He doesn't say whether or not you're deserving or not. He actually, in Matthew 7 of the Bible, Jesus says this, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And so if you want it, you can have it. If you ask for it, you shall receive it. It says nothing about deservability. And it does say just before that not to cast pearls before swine. It's not that pigs aren't deserving. It's that they can't appreciate it. They can't be thankful for it. And so if they don't appreciate it, why give it to them? And so where does the idea of deservability come from? If God doesn't require it, if the universe is not asking for it, where does it come from? I think it comes from the minds of men in their attempt to try to ascertain some type of fairness in the universe. But all you have to do is look around to realize that life is not fair. But these ideas of fairness and deservability actually lie in scarcity that there's only so much to go around and you need to actually deserve or be worthy of whatever you attract. In the world of abundance, there's enough for everyone. Ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. And so coming from abundance and the law of attraction, it's all about being a vibrational match for it, being in alignment with your desire. And again, you want to be thankful for it, Because think of casting pearls before swine. Why is that a bad idea? Because pigs can't appreciate pearls. It has no value to them. And so get connected to the value of what you're asking for. Get connected to the appreciation and gratitude 
for what you currently have. Because when you're living in the perspective of appreciation and gratitude, you set up the condition or the state of mind of receiving. When you think in terms of deservability, you actually put a block up. It's resistance. Because in one way or another, you are actually comparing yourself against some unknown criteria, some idea, someone's judgment, and you just don't know what you're measuring yourself against. I was in a conversation recently with a friend of mine, a coach friend of mine, and we got to talking about narcissistic people and the people that are typically in their life, people without boundaries. The narcissist has no respect for boundaries, pushes and steps over boundaries all the time, and the people that are typically in their life do not enforce their boundaries for fear of retaliation or for for fear of anger from the narcissist. And we got to talking about these two individuals, these two energy types, and their investing in personal growth. Now, the narcissist will typically not delve into deep inner work. They won't pay for it because, frankly, they don't want to find out what's underneath. They'd rather just kind of skate along the surface. And for this reason, it's very difficult for a narcissist to ever come to a place where they will heal the insecurity within that drives the narcissistic behavior. And then the people in their lives that aren't setting boundaries typically won't seek out help because they don't think they're deserving. Both of us, both the other coach and I, see this phenomenon a lot when people come to us because that's typically something that comes up. I don't know if I deserve to invest in myself. And I always ask, why not? From the context of law of attraction, I figure that you've been following the breadcrumbs. You've been attracted to even having a conversation. You've been attracted to the program, the course, the idea of moving forward and actually exploring something that involves personal growth in order to solve a problem, solve an issue. This meeting, this connection is actually a result of something you attracted into your life. It has nothing to do with deservability. Yet, I understand those old patterns die hard. That idea of deservability typically comes from your childhood. Do you deserve the treat? Do you deserve to stay up a little bit longer? Do you deserve to watch your favorite TV show? Do you deserve, have you been a good boy or girl, in order to get the gift at Christmas time? Did you put in the work to deserve the A? Now, I don't know about you, but in school, I didn't have to work very hard, and I would sometimes get a D or an A. And things that came easily to me, and a lot of things came easily to me, I ended up, based on whether or not my interest was there, I I ended up with my GPA in high school at 2.9999999. And when I saw that grade point, for some reason, I thought I deserved to be in honor society, which was at a 3.0 or higher and so I went to the the lead, the head of the honor society, the teacher responsible for that, the honor society organization. And I said, I'd like to be an honor society. And she said, technically, you're not a 3.0. I says, but I'm pretty darn close. I can't get much closer. And she said, but you failed a class or two. I know you, I know you have. I said, so honor society has nothing to do with how smart you are. It's just what your grade point is, right? And she was like, well, yeah. And in that moment, I recognized that honor society didn't really mean that much. Because I knew, even though I was a lot smarter than a lot of the people that were in honor society, 
I didn't put in the work, so I didn't deserve to be there. What's interesting, at the end of my senior year, me and one other guy discovered that we had scored in the top 2% in the country on the ACT test. Neither of us were in honor society. So what I discovered is that deservability, a lot of the times, is just arbitrary, depending on who's measuring, who's, who's deciding, by what criteria. Unfortunately, this whole idea of deservability has been tied to your character, tied to your self-esteem, as if you're somehow worthy enough as a person. So I'm suggesting to you that you drop the whole idea of deservability. You drop the idea of being deserving. Or if you keep it, you deserve it just because. You deserve it because you're on the planet. You deserve it because you were born. You deserve it because you asked for it. If you want to heal, seek the healing because you want it. If you want love, seek love. Be open to love because you want it. I come across so many people that feel they don't deserve to love themselves because of some criteria that they're not even present to or aware of. Maybe they made a mistake in their past. Maybe they weren't necessarily a good person. Maybe they made some poor, poor choices. We've all made poor choices. I've made a lot of poor choices, meaning that they didn't necessarily have stellar results, not necessarily the results that I was after. But loving yourself is not a condition of deservability. You can love yourself because you can. You get to say, you get to decide. And all you have to do is be loving towards yourself. Love is a word you live. It's being accepting of yourself. It's being gentle with yourself. It's basically giving yourself some consideration. And so if you feel like taking a hot soaking bath, take the bath. Whether or not you put in the work, whether or not you got things done, if you want it, you can have it. If you want to take a day off, if you think you need a day off, take the day off, regardless of how much work you have to do or have to get done yet. And of course, you have to be in the consideration that if you take too many days off, too many days of respite, then you're not going to get anything done. You're not going to accomplish anything. But chances are that respite, that little rest, gives you more energy, more power, more strength to move forward even faster than before. So I ask you, as we come to a close here, I ask you, what would your life be like if you remove the concept, remove the idea of deservability? And if you want it, you can have it. Start thinking in terms of value. Is it valuable to you? Is it productive? Is it effective? That's what I did way back when, when I was thinking about my fee structure, and it's what I think about when I make an investment. Do I get the value from it? Will it be productive? Will do I get the long-term benefit? You see, when you stop thinking in terms of deservability, this whole idea of the imposter syndrome falls away. And you can also begin receiving the love you want, the money you want, all the benefits and the experiences that you want, just because you want it. And that is the law of the universe. Until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel DeNovi, urging you to follow your bliss, live your life from inner signals, be inner directed as you engage in the epic adventure. (laughs) 